0: Welcome back to Foster Adopt Minnesota's Let's Talk, a podcast that brings you valuable resources for prospective and current adoptive and foster families, as well as professionals. My name is Sunny, and I'm an education coordinator here at Foster Adopt Minnesota. And I'm Chris, also an education
1: coordinator here at FAM. Today, Sunny, we are having a chat with Joel Galimo, author of Design Flaws, a book about two brothers who found out they were adopted at their adoptive father's funeral. The characters in the book have some parallels with Joe's lived experience. Joe's book is scheduled to be published in September by Level Best Books. So Sunny, I hear that Joe allowed you to read his book before publication. Can you tell us a little bit about it?
0: <laughs> I <laughs> did read it, but I don't know because it's a murder mystery. So I don't know how much he will allow me to say. So no spoilers, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well I don't know. Should I just tell the ending? Okay, this is how it ended. <laughs> Thanks kidding. for coming, Joe. <laughs> yeah,
2: really. It's great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, you We're really um excited to have you here today and grateful that you want to share your adoption experience
1: with us. Yeah. So Joe, thanks for being here. Could you just tell us about yourself and how you came to write design flaws?
2: Yeah. So, well, first of all, thank you, uh, both of you very much for, uh, inviting me onto your podcast. I appreciate it. And, um, you know, it's kind of funny. I I always wanted to write and, um, I, I, A career has been in uh, IT, information technology, um, in sales, and so I've written dozens and dozens of proposals and uh, helped other people write their proposals, so I think I was kind of getting that out of my system that way, but eventually it really wasn't enough and I felt I wanted to put a longer story together. Um, and I've always loved murder looking for a unique topic. Um, my dad passed away, my, my adoptive dad passed away in 2009, and um, there had been this shroud of secrecy around everything that happened, you know, around adoption and all those things. Um, and so once he passed away, my mother actually started to open up and was sharing more about what had happened and some of the backstories, and it all just kind of came together. Um, mm-hmm. And at the time I also um, got more interested in my family background from a birth standpoint. So I submitted a sample to Ancestry and got the results there. Um, And so I started thinking, you know, there's a story in here. What if you had, uh, and and my brother did the same thing, by the way, I've got an older brother and a younger sister. um, So we're all adopted. And um, it it turns out that my brother and I are uh, brothers by birth uh, with the same mother and father and, Um, so we got interested in, you know, what, what if there were two brothers that, um, didn't know they were adopted, but found out much later in life and how would they react? Um, and so then that's kind of how the story starts. And eventually they find a a relative who claims to be their birth father. Um, and of course that person is, is killed, is murdered. And so that's where the murder mystery starts. Um, so yeah, so it all kind of just came together these different events in, in my life and, I actually started writing in 2016 and, and the design flaws will get published here in September. So it's been a long journey. Uh, learned quite a bit, but it's been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, so this is your first book? It is. It is. Well, congrats. Yeah. We'll actually, have to have like a book ceremony or something when it <laughs> when it hits the hits the shelves. <laughs>
2: I hope to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So how does your newfound knowledge about your birth father change your view on adoption?
2: Well, you know, it's interesting. So as uh, my mother got more and more open with what had happened, you know, what, what we'd been exposed to as kids, um, we knew that the adoption was brokered by a priest and it was a private adoption so it didn't go through Catholic charities. And it turned out that um, the, the priest rec- was recommended to my mother and father by um, her sister, so my aunt. And it all just kind of worked out really well, um, and so they were actually in Kansas City. I grew up, was born and raised in Chicago, and so um, the young lady that was getting ready to deliver went to Chicago and had her baby, and um, was baby was handed over to my mother. This is my older brother, um, you know, within a couple of days. Uh, so that worked out really well, and the same time my case, and so she came up again uh, to Chicago, and and I was handed over to the same uh, adoptive parents. And through the ancestry test, we've come to realize that the birth father is most likely very high odds that it's either um, the priest that brokered the adoptions or the brother of the priest that brokered the adoptions. Either way, kind of, uh, you know, maybe an unusual situation. Certainly a little bit dramatic. you know, either way, probably not super healthy uh, because he the brother was uh, married and had children of his own at that point. So. Um, and what's weird is the priest, because he broke the adoption, he would visit us every year and uh, he would come up from Kansas City and he would spend a weekend with us. And so even though I was little, I kind of felt like I got to know him a little bit. You know, and and he was a very gregarious guy, uh, very nice man and uh, super friendly. You know, we helped us buy gifts for our parents for their anniversary and stuff like that. You know, we just had a really kind of nice relationship. But there were times when we'd be uh, sitting around the dining room table and and he'd be looking at us with a smile on his face. And it just seemed a little like, wow, you know, what's going on here, even as a kid, you know, so. Again, I think he realized the relationship, and I not know if my parents did or not, but so again, we're either his sons or his nephews. And so, you know, how do, how do you, how, I'm still coming to terms with how I feel about that. And, you know, on the one hand, I'm glad that I'm here and that things worked out the way they did. On the other hand, you know, there's some people doing some things they probably shouldn't have been doing in order to make that happen. So, Um, That
0: that one for two years. Um, (laughs) In terms of how I feel, I bet. (laughs) The (laughs) listeners can't see it, but my mouth is wide open. (laughs) So, okay, so this priest would come visit you, smile. Yes. Now, do you have a recollection of his features? Does he look like you or your brother?
2: Very clear recollection. Yeah. Yep, and again, if you look at, at the ancestry results, you know, there aren't uh, people, he would be in the next generation, obviously, and so people in that generation, not a lot of results out there, not enough to really tell. But if you look at the family trees, the way it lays out, yeah, it's pretty much one of those two people. Um, in fact, some of the people that uh, were his, were, were, uh, you know, our would be my cousins, and my brother's cousins, um, have contacted us and said, uh, you guys can't really exist, so I think there have been some mistakes that Ancestry made. I'm like, yeah, well, I don't know. It doesn't happen often that Ancestry is making mistakes, you know. Oh my! <laughs> so, yeah, <we're> pretty much...
0: <laughs> have you thought about? So,
2: yeah.
0: I'm sorry. So, ha- have you thought about contacting him or the brother?
2: Well, one. Those people reached out to my brother, actually, and uh, my brother said, yeah, you know, here's what we think, not not in actually in that amount of detail, but we think that there were some relationships going on that, you know, perhaps were a little untoward, or whatever you want to call it, and do you want to continue to have this discussion? And the guy said, mm, nah, I'm good. I don't really want to know what would be his uncle's, right, that he didn't already know, so... Um, it kind of just got shut down and that's where it sits today. You know, this was a few years ago. Okay. So, So, I don't know, maybe one day. Yeah. I mean, every, every three to six months, I check out the Ancestry to see if any new people have, um, you know, the results are posted and we have more information, but so far, nothing new.
0: So you had mentioned that you have some emotions. Can you maybe describe them a little more in depth as you were, so as you were writing design flaws?
2: What types of emotions came out for you? Yeah, I mean, there were things I'm, I'm really good at um, categorizing things and putting things in boxes and leaving them on shelves for a long period of time. So that's kind of where the whole adoption thing was. Um, and so this really kind of made me reconsider, you know, um, where, where, how do I feel about that? You know, and I, my birth parents were, uh, I'm sorry, my, my adoptive parents were fabulous. Um, you know, they told us when we were very young. I can't remember not knowing that I was adopted. So I don't know what age it was, but it was very very young, and had a great childhood. You know, a great relationship with them. Um, I don't can't fault them in any way. I mean, we had the normal ups and downs of you know um, parent parental relationships, but um, the fact that adoption was in the background. You know, it wasn't really something that's out there that you thought about all the time, you know, like what, what's the name of that book? The 20 things that, um, uh, adoptive kids want their parents to know, you know, yes, Sherry Eldridge. yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got crazy high views on Amazon. I mean, people love that book. I didn't really relate to hardly anything that was in there, to be honest. You know, it's like, I never thought about on my birthday. I never thought about my birth parents. I never wondered what are my birth parents do right, doing right now? Cause I had parents, I didn't, I didn't need anybody else, you know? So I think it's possible to have a really strong relationship with your adoptive parents and the, the adoption, not everything has to go through the prism of being adopted, if that makes sense.
0: Right, because sometimes for some adoptees, that's what it's in their face all the time. For example, like transracial adoptees but because you're maybe i'm guessing i don't know just pondering here um maybe because you had a biological mirror in your brother you guys were together i don't know what do you think about that do you think uh, that might have affected your relationship positively in ways that other adoptees don't experience
2: well that's a really good point you know so my brother again because he and i are uh, from the, have the same birth parents. Um, and I mean, we, he's a year and a half older. We did everything together growing up. You know, we just played crazy amounts of sports and rode our bikes all over town. And um, my sister was four years younger so we didn't spend as much time with her, you know because she was just not into that stuff, right? Um, and so of my, between my parents and, and my brother and sister I really have bonded the most with my brother but why is that, you know, is, is it because there's a birth connection there? I, I think there is uh, that connection more so than with anybody else. Um, but, it, and I did bond, as I said, with everybody else in the family, um, but I have a stronger bond with my brother and I don't think there's any way to really say, well, you know, this percentage is because you have a birth relationship and this percentage is because you have shared experiences, you know. So, but yeah, it definitely had a big impact. And to this day, we're much closer uh, than, than I am to anybody else again.
0: Okay. Well, that's, that makes complete sense. Um, so how much of the book reveals your personal thoughts about your situation going back to thinking it might be the priest? And what do you wish people outside the adoption community knew about adoption? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, so um, you know, they say that the first book that you write, a book of fiction, is autobiographical or semi-autobiographical, and that's definitely true. You know, there's tons of things in there that, I mean, you're making up all this stuff out of nothing, right? And so you're drawing on experiences you've had that really have nothing to do with um, your family or or any of this other things we've been talking about, um, and just to kind of, you know, fill in the backstory on on people and and relationships. Um, But there are a lot of things in there that definitely did come from, uh, you know, things I experienced. And it it did seem like as growing up, um, I don't know, there were a lot of times when it seemed like uh, we would get together in, in a large family group and my brother and I and eventually my sister would kind of be I don't know if cast aside is the right term, but it didn't seem like people would really reach out and want to hang out with us, you know? And again, you don't know, I mean, were we just not playing nice and didn't realize it? Or were they just thinking <laughs> we weren't part of the family? You know, these those are those adopted kids. And I don't know what they're doing here. They're not part of the actual family, you know? Um, so, but there's no way to tell, right? So there's a few scenes in there. And of course, you got to play up the drama a little bit, you know, to make the book more dramatic. Um, so um, the things that are in the book didn't actually happen, but it was that kind of thing that, uh, you know, that you just wonder to this day, how much uh, that played into the relationships you have with everybody in your family, you know? So, and even, even as a kid, there were kids that I knew really well growing up in a Catholic school, and you know like during boy scouts and there were kids that you know we went to on multiple camping trips with and felt like i knew really well and um one of them i um was sharing that you know well my brother and i actually are adopted and the next thing i know he's telling everybody you know it's like, okay what? Well, <laughs> time out <laughs> that was not was supposed to be personal you know and so so we managed to get that yeah you know, i told him i'm just kidding and um but you learn the hard way you know what you can share and what you can't share. And um, the fact that, yeah, you know, maybe my mother wasn't that far off when she tried to keep everything private, you know, cause she was a very private person and, and didn't want to share.
1: Did you refer to your, your parents as your parents or did you say they're my adoptive parents or did they introduce you as their son or?
2: We never did anything except Assume it was a completely 100%, just the uh, the most natural thing in the world. So, which implies a birth relationship, but it just wasn't on the table. It was just completely off the table and not in a bad way. It just was not part of, you know, the vernacular. Um, They treated us like we were 100%. Once they told us, it never really came up again. To be honest, I was the one who brought it up. Um, and once we got a little bit older, and especially after my dad passed away, because then it's like, okay, we've only got one person left to talk to about this. Um, so we better start seeing if we can get some answers. And that's when I submitted the test uh, to Ancestry. And I feel like I've got enough information now, you know, because um, both of the people, the priest and his brother have, have passed away. So we're not going to get any answers out of them. Oh, the other thing I forgot to tell you, my mother actually stayed in touch with my birth mother, and I didn't. We didn't know that either, just until you know five, six years ago. And she actually had letters that they had written to each other. And of course, the birth mother was wondering, "Hey, how things going? You know, how are the kids doing?" And she would send note back, and she actually kept those. So I actually have the letters between um, her and, and, the, the birth mother, but, you know, these are sitting in a box somewhere and yeah, we just found out about these over the last few years. So, um, wow. yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy, really. Yeah. So well, and
1: thank yeah. you for sharing that. Sonny and I just hosted, um, a panel of adoptees and that was one of the topics that came up that, you know, they wish their parents would have just said, this is my daughter. You know, it was like, this is my adopted daughter. So there was always that distinction in their family that kind of made them feel like a little bit of an outcast. So it's good for adoptive parents
2: to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's, it's kind of unfortunate to hear somebody say that, you know, and I don't mean to cast aspersions and everybody's got to do what they got to do, but I'm glad that my folks didn't do that. me put it that way.
0: Oh, for sure. Because then it wasn't an issue, it wasn't at the forefront for you. Exactly. So I love that you had a um, have a different perspective than what many times we hear the downside. So that's great. I love that it's positive.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I don't, you know, it doesn't have to be negative, right? I mean, um, I, you know, again, we just had a really. I felt like it wasn't an idyllic childhood, but it was. It was good. Uh, my brother and I got along great. You know, it's funny, um, so we grew up in a working class area of Chicago, and um, you know, we didn't have tons of money, but we didn't really know that we didn't have tons of money. We were just doing our thing as kids, and um, so we, my folks got us uh, some bikes, and you know, they were nice. I mean, they were for their time. Well, they were, it wasn't the greatest neighborhood, so somebody stole the bikes, and so then we didn't have any. So then a few months later, these bikes show drove up out, of, out of the blue. And they were much nicer and, you know, they were these big ten skis, which were all the rage. And um, so, you know, we asked where did these come from? And uh, it turned out that um, my mother ever, the diplomat said something about, you know, um, this priest uh, like heard about that our bikes were stolen and like took up a collection or something. And then you know now in hindsight, it's like, yeah, no, he didn't. He just bought them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a wow.
0: collection from his bank account.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Well and Joe, it yeah.
1: sounds like you've had some like a lot of loose ends that you're really tying up to that you're in all of your discoveries. So it's um forever going, huh? <laughs>
2: You know, it is, and for better or worse, I mean, I I was very fortunate, and I I think my brother and sister were too, in that there just wasn't a lot of drama. You know, we were just doing what we were doing, and just being kids, and my parents are being parents, and it was just a normal relationship.
1: right. So to help current adoptive parents understand their adoptees, in hindsight, what do you want them to know about what it's like to be an adoptee?
2: You know, again, it it really it, if you have a situation where you're, I, I would say not not to bring it up, you know, to to let it be in the background, not to make it the central focal point of things. Um, if it comes up and people, kids have questions, um, you know, they're going to wonder about uh, what it's like or where, or where they came from. You know, ask those questions, but that's no different than. You know where did I come from uh, before this? You know, um, right? So, um, and I know some adopted parents um, can be hurt or think that. Um, so, so when I expressed interest in finding my birth parents, um, you know, I actually started asking questions when my dad was still alive and my mother was. Made it pretty clear that was not going to happen, right? So, you know, maybe every six months or a year, I'd say, "Hey, you know, what's, what what what'll happen back then?" And nothing, you know. And um, then then my dad passed away, and I I think he was, at, and this is in the story actually in the novel, um, that the adoptive father um, was diabetic and you know so couldn't have children, and I think that may have actually been the case with my folks. Don't actually know the answer to that. Um, but eventually, she started to be more forthcoming. So I'm, I'm a very curious person, and that's actually where the whole concept of design flaws come from. comes from because I see, like, I'll try a new product for the first time, and I like to look at it and see how it's designed and think of other ways that I can improve the design. Um, and then, but once you do that, then you're done, you know, and then you just use the product and move on. And it might sound kind of weird, but that's kind of how it was um, in. Looking for um, adoptive parents, you know, my brother and I went out there. We did the ancestry thing and we got it to the point where we narrowed it down to two people. And those two people are deceased. Um, and does it really matter if it was the priest, if it was his brother? Probably not, you know. And that I, I wanted to know what part of the country I was from, uh, you know, what my real nationality was, what the family was kind of like in general. And once I found those things out, that was enough. You know, I I don't feel like I need to reach out to them and drive down to another state and knock on the door and go, hey, do I look like anybody you know? You know, it's just, (laughs) it's it's like I'm good for now anyway. So So really, you know, again, as you can tell, there just wasn't a lot of drama and and there doesn't need to be a lot of drama. You know, there can be, but um, it it can also be very normal. And um, we were treated as normal kids. It'd be interesting to go back and interview my aunts and uncles and, you know, see what they really thought of the ones that are still around. Um, And because obviously, you know, my parents one day showed up with a kid and my mother hadn't been pregnant. So clearly uh, that child came from somewhere, even if she didn't say anything about adopting um, throughout that process. So but, you know, without that information, again, we were it was pretty normal. It was pretty normal. It doesn't have to be really dramatic. Um, yeah, and, and we you know, talked about it at times, occasionally, and, but mostly not, and you know, we just went about our business. So, you know, the other thing I'd point out is that the relationship between uh, an adoptive child and a parent, there's two, there's two types of parents, right? There's the birth parents and there's the adoptive parents. And those are different categories. And to to be uh, an adoptive parent, you have shared experiences with that child that the birth parent doesn't have and will most likely never have, right? The whole growing up, you know, I mean, the odds are if there's going to be a connection with the birth parent that isn't immediate, um, you know, from the the birth and adoption process, probably going to be a little bit later, maybe they're in their teens or their 20s. So all those years, you've got that relationship established. The birth parent can't take that away from you. you know, and similarly, the birth parent gave birth to the child, and and you can't take that away from them. So, and why would you even try? You know, what don't don't fight it. Let let them have their role. You know, they're the birth parent. You're the adoptive parent. You know, each one has its pros and cons. You know, kind of again, we'll have take it easy on the drama. Um, just you know, play be the role in the role that, that you're in, and if your child wants to find out who they are, where they came from, who their birth parents are. I think that's an extremely, in my case, it was very natural, and I didn't mean anything about it, and I would never um, imply or say anything to my uh, birth parents about that they somehow were inadequate because they weren't. It was great. But there still is, you still want to know what happened just to know, you know, so it doesn't have to be a negative thing. Um, it, it can be It can be a positive thing. It can be joint discovery, depending on... You know, the circumstances, Uh, maybe you don't know if you went through like a Catholic Charities, you probably wouldn't know who the birth parents were. Um, And maybe you could find out together, you know, who knows? It it doesn't have to be a negative thing.
0: Okay, right. right. It sounds like you're, you had
1: supportive family dynamics too, that helped you with that.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that made a huge difference, obviously. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Not everybody's as lucky as we were, for sure.
0: No, that's great. So it just sounds like it was very natural for you to want to know your history. Um, So what would you say to those adoptive parents who feel threatened by those adoptees who want to know or have that longing to know or search for their birth parents?
2: Yeah, you know, that's a that's a tough one. I mean, you can certainly see where they're coming from. Right. I mean, I spent all these years raising you and now you're apparently I wasn't good enough and you need to find your birth parents. I mean, that's one way to look at it. And if that's the way they're going to choose to look at it, then, you know, nothing I say is probably going to stop them. But I would encourage them to, again, consider what you've got is something very special and which will never be taken from you or reproduced by anybody else. And the person, your your child, if they do find their birth parent uh, and are able to establish a relationship with them, you know, now they've got four parents or whatever the number is instead of just two so it it doesn't have to be a zero-sum game right they're not taking love or relationships away from you and giving it to somebody else they're just adding that in um, is the way that i would encourage them to look at it
0: i love that because we have children so too many people cannot love my children right? right so maybe look at it that way you're just adding love. It's not like they're going to take a piece of them away from you to love the birth parent. There's. It's just additive.
2: Exactly. Yep. You got
0: it.
1: And Joe, maybe it sounds like your next book should be um, Less Drama is Ideal. <laughs> not all of our lives,
2: so. Unfortunately, books without a lot of drama don't sell her, so <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> You know what's funny? I am working on the second book right now, and um, it's been difficult to try to you know um, decide how much of this because again, there has to be drama. There's no story, right? There's no there's no conflict. There's no story. Um, so I'm trying to figure out. I've had people that that did um, kind of the uh, beta reading of the first book um, say, you know, well, because at the end of the first book, the the main character has a reconciliation with um, the person that ends up being the birth father. And they said, well, geez, that's a little too convenient, you know? And truth be told, it was a little bit of a plot device, where right? they wanted it to be convenient because I wanted that character in the next story and to be an ongoing character. And if they just totally, you know, divorce themselves of each other, then, then that wouldn't be possible. So, yeah, it was a little convenient. But on the other hand, it doesn't have to be This big dramatic thing. You can have a reconciliation and forgive each other. And, you know, um, again, as I say in the book, um, if it wasn't for the fact that one of these people did things that they probably shouldn't have been doing, you know, I, I, as the main character, wouldn't be here right now. So it's a little hard, a little disingenuous to say, oh, you know, shame on you. You shouldn't have been doing us (laughs) that. Right.
0: Catch 22, kind of.
1: So once again, your book is scheduled to be published in September by Level Best Books. Is that correct?
2: That's correct. Yep.
1: All right. And then how can people get your book?
2: Well, if you'd like to learn more uh, in the, between now and then, uh, it's joegalimo.com uh, at uh, sorry, Joegallimo.com is the website. And um, you can see updates there, and um, I, I believe the, the current date is uh, September 5th is when it's going to be published. And if that does slip a little bit, that'll be on the website. But yeah, that's probably the best way to keep track. Or after that date, it'll be on Amazon. It'll be at all the major outlets, and you can just order it there if you're interested.
1: That's super exciting. Yeah, thank you.
2: It really has been just a great journey, and I've learned so much throughout the process, and have been supported, uh, you know, by people in the industry. And so, yeah, I'm I'm very excited about it.
1: Yeah, and just thank you so much for opening up your life about, you know, being an adoptee and the whole, um, I mean, it's a fascinating history that you have and things. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, do you have any last thoughts you want to share with our listeners or, or if Sonny you has know, any last questions?
2: I mean, it would probably just be to reiterate that it, it can all be normal. It doesn't have to be crazy. You know, it, you can have a normal life and Um, you know, if you've hit your 30s or 40s and you still have a lot of drama about anything in your life, as the way I look at it, then you know, maybe you didn't have enough therapy or something.
1: (laughs) We can just find out what normal is.
0: Right.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
1: Own definitions, that's for sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thanks for being here, Joe.
2: Okay, thank you. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you, Joe.
2: All right, yep. Excellent. Thanks, Chris.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today for Let's Talk. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to our podcast and tune in again soon.